Next month, we're going to be learning a little bit more about missions. I know this church knows about it, but we're going to just kind of reignite the, the desires that we have in missions. missions. So I'm looking forward to next month already. But thank you again for being faithful in the giving of your tithes and offerings. Remember, when you give, you're not giving to the church, you're giving to Jesus. I can fail you, the church can fail you, but Jesus can never fail you. That's why you give to Him, and then you don't have any complaints. You know, you can just rejoice. So thank you for your faithfulness to giving your tithes and offerings to the Lord. And if you want to get connected to our church, we would love to get connected with you. There's a button on online that you can click, and that will help you to get connected to us. If you're here for the first time and don't have a church home of your own, there's a connect card in front of you. We'd love to have you fill that out. And we'll send you a $5 Starbucks card. And it would be a good time to, for you to enjoy that. And hopefully we'll get to know you a whole lot better. Well, this month of February, I thought we would do kind of a relationship series. And uh, so we've called the series Family Feud, which might sound counterproductive, right? Why are we promoting feuding? Tara kept asking, why are you calling the family feud? I said, well, I just wanted to have a little fun. Is that okay to have a little fun? Not, we're not going to have a whole lot. <laughs> I promise you this is not going to be too much fun, maybe just, just a little bit. So I wanted to, uh, I mainly just wanted to play the game with you, but, you know, we will be talking about family issues. But we're going we're gonna to try this. We're going to play the family feud. Now, of course, if we weren't in a pandemic, we'd be doing a whole lot more, but we're just going to do a simple version of the family feud. So I'm going to give you a statement, and then you, of course, are going to tell me what your answers are. If I hear the right answer, there's a top survey, so I've got these questions from the family feud, and there's a top survey answer. If I hear the top survey answer, then I will, hopefully I will acknowledge that online. You can also participate. You can just type in the uh, name. And Melanie, I just wanted to acknowledge, many of you probably remember Melanie uh, was doing this hosting when we were all closed down. But thank you, Melanie, for being our host. And if she recognizes that you got the top answer, she'll give you a heart or something, some type of acknowledgement online that you got it. So here we go. Just, just shout it out uh, and uh, just give me your, your best answer. But here's the first one. Name something people are afraid of. Have you guys looked online already? Spiders, yes, is number one. I'm glad I didn't hear long sermons out there. Uh, snakes was on there, the dark, other people, heights. I don't know if that means they're afraid of getting taller or what. Uh, the IRS, they're boss. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Name something that goes up and down. Roller coaster. Remember the roller coaster? Stairs. Uh, wasn't on there. Uh, my mood was on there. How many moods goes up and down? We'll be talking about that today. All right, here's an another one. Two more. Name something that makes a lot of noise. No, I, don't, I haven't heard the top answer yet. The number one, here it is, the number one was, I didn't, I didn't hear this, but a rock band was the number one uh, answer for that category. Here's another one that I thought was interesting that was on their in-laws. I don't know. I did not fill that survey out. 
Last one. That was really limited. Name something you do when you up there, but Josh, way to, way to conceal the answer before I said it. Stealing my thunder. Okay. Yes, run. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. So, this morning, obviously, I'm going to be talking about and trying to avoid family feuds, but the reality is there's family feuds, there's friend feuds, there's work feuds, and here's a shocker. We have church feuds. And of course, in our country, we're, we're feuding all over the place in our country, over policies, over politics, over the pandemic, we're, we're getting into it, and there's all sorts of feuds. Now, the Word of God teaches us believers, we believe in the Lord, we believe in His Word, and the Word of God teaches us that we bear the responsibility when we're in a feud. Now, here's what I've learned in life. Ongoing feuds or ongoing arguments are usually there because both sides are, number one, convinced they're right, and they are also convinced that they need to change the other side. That's why you have an ongoing feud, because neither side is willing to give in. They're both saying, this is what, I, I know this is right, and you need to change. And the other person is saying, no, I know I am right, and you need to change. That attitude is never going to solve feuds. That approach to life will keep feuds going on and on and on for a very long time. The Bible says that we we have a responsibility to work in our life. Jesus told his disciples, now remember this part about uh, Jesus' process with his disciples. Before he ever sent them out to do ministry, he worked in their life. He he discipled them. He corrected them. He challenged them. He worked in their life. And he says, hey, you need to fix this and you need to fix that. And now that you're starting to work on your life, guess what? Now you have permission to go work in other people's lives. You know the scripture verse where the Bible says uh, that Jesus said that uh, you need to remove the speck. uh, You need to remove the plank from your eye before you remove the speck from the eye of your brother or your sister. What a powerful scripture verse, right? What, a, what, a, what an eye-opening scripture verse that can be that says, you know what? If I think I'm going to be helping somebody, I need to work in my life first. And I can tell you that approach to life will quit feuds from ever taking place. You will experience less feuds in your life if that's your approach. If your approach is, you know what? I've got to work on me. I've got to fix me. There's something in me that needs to be worked on. If that is your approach, I believe you will experience less feuds. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm the type of person I like peace. I like joy. I prefer comfort. I don't like rattling cages, and I don't like you know, rocking the boat just for the sake of rocking the boat. I enjoy peace quiet. Now, I know there's scripture verses. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. There are those scripture verses there. 
But our attitude of life and our approach to people should always be one of peace and comfort. And that begins when we determine in our lives, I've got to work on me. And if people would approach that in a feud, if people would say, you know what, I'm not understanding you and you're not understanding me, and instead of saying, I need to change you, I'm going to change me, God is going to work through that. I love Ephesians 4, verse 3. Paul encouraged the Ephesians, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort. That's what this series is going to be about. This series is about us making the effort to build unity, not the other person. I'm not trying to fix you here. I'm trying to fix me. I'm working on me because I have a responsibility in the relationship, and I want to make every effort to bring peace. So God's Word commands us to bring peace. And this is what I I love about uh, unity and why I'm always going to work hard to produce unity. Why I'm always going to make an effort to produce peace is because peace brings unity. And and, and unity, there's great power. Psalm 133, I'll just read uh, the first and last verse of Psalm 133 says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity and harmony. I believe that. I believe it is pleasant. I, I share that with you. I believe you would say the same thing. I prefer harmony. I hope you prefer harmony. I prefer harmony. I prefer all of us agreeing that this is the restaurant we need to go to. I, I, I prefer all of us saying, okay, fine, we'll, we'll do that color. I don't like it, but we'll do it. I prefer that all of us will, will agree on things. Now, I understand why we're not going to all agree on 100% of things. I understand that. But I believe it's pleasant. I believe it's wonderful when we're living together in harmony. And then that, that last part of that chapter says, verse 3 says, There the Lord pronounces His blessing. He pronounces His blessing. When we're in unity, when we're together, when we're united, we can do great things. We can do mighty things. I've seen, you know, there's a thousand examples of this, but you take the fist, you know, when we're divided, in a hand, and we try to, you know, use this as force, you know, that's not going to do a whole lot. You're going to break some fingers. But if we come together, if we're united in love, if we're united in thought, and we're united in, in peace, and we're united in purpose, then we become like a fist. We can knock things down. We can knock things out. And we won't hurt ourselves in the process. That's why I love unity, and I want unity to be in our church. So what, I'm, what I want to do is, this next month, I'm just going to share some things that I've learned in ministry. And uh, one of the first things that I wanted to share with you, of course, there's a thousand things that we can talk about when you're talking about building relationships, but I'm just going to talk about a few things over this month. Today, I wanted to talk about EQ. I don't know, how many of you have heard of EQ, and it has nothing to do with sound? Yeah, I saw it. You know, the EQ has nothing to do with sound. Now, EQ stands for emotional quotient. Now, most of us are familiar with IQ. You know, it's that our intelligence quotient, our intelligence, it's a measurement. And in 1904, the first test for IQ was developed by a French psychologist named Alfred Binet. He was commissioned by the French government, and they wanted to find out 
which kids were going to have a difficulty in high school. And so since 1904 to this day, most of us have been focused on IQ. You know, we've got to understand our intelligence. If we, we want to have a great paying job, if we, if we want to be effective, man, I want to work at my IQ. I, I know I want that for my daughter. I want her to have high intelligence. That's why we read to her. That's why we go over math with her. That's why we study with her. I want that to be a part of her life, that she has a high IQ. But over the past few decades, studies were beginning to show that people were moving up the uh, managerial ladder or the corporate ladder in America, and the reason had nothing to do with IQ, but had everything to do with EQ. Oh, man, you mean I spent all that money on developing my IQ and now it doesn't matter? Oh, it does matter. But the reality is none of us, I would say, I say none of us, but many times we don't focus in on our EQ. And like I said, look at, you know, three or four of us have heard that term. All right, so obviously my sermon today is built on the Bible. So let me give you the Bible version of EQ. It's in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Paul again tells the Galatians, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I believe every one of us wake up every day with good intentions. I'm going to be a friend to people today. I'm going to make people happy today. I'm going to make my family joyful today. My house is going to be happy. We have all of these good intentions. How many of us have been in life where our good intentions are lost? We, begin our, we find ourselves in a feud. We find ourselves in a fight. We find ourselves depressed. We find ourselves in anger. We find ourselves in frustrations. And all of our good intentions are killed. So, there's four basic areas of EQ. I'm going, to do, I'm going to give you just two today and two next week. The first area of EQ is acknowledging your emotions. Acknowledging your emotions. Now, that sounds so simple, so basic, and yet few of us can do this consistently. I know I don't do it consistently. This is something, information I'm aware of, but it's something I think about and I pray about. It's like, God, help me to... Acknowledge my emotions. Most of us allow our emotions and our feelings to go into autopilot. Most of us just let our emotions and our feelings go into cruise control. And what Paul is telling the Galatians, he's saying, guess what? If you let your emotions and feelings go into autopilot, you're going to have feuds. You're going to lose the fight. Because we have a sinful nature that is fighting against us. And that sinful nature is going to kill our good intentions. That sinful nature is not going to let us be nice. That sinful nature is not going to let us see the other person's point of view. That sinful nature is going to protect ourselves. And, and if it means hurting somebody else, then so be it. So when we look at acknowledging our emotions, again, I, I stated this already, we spent, most of us spent 12 years in school learning what? Learning how to develop our IQ. But we really didn't develop how to manage our emotions. You know, we, we 
have a lot of teachers, but, you know, I, I think high school, I can recall, you know, having like three counselors. So obviously the focus was intelligence, which is important. But what companies are finding out, and I hope you discover today, there's something more important than our intelligence, and that's our emotions. That's our feelings. And step one is to acknowledge them. I remember we took our church in Utah to uh, do a campaign, uh, and it was uh, a recovery program called Celebrate Recovery. You might be familiar with Celebrate Recovery. But we told the church, we want you to know, because we were going to begin that ministry in our church, and we wanted them to know this. You may not have substance abuse in your life, but you're, you're an addict. The Bible says we're, we've all sinned. You know, so I can't look at somebody who's destroyed their life from drugs and alcohol. I can't look at them and say, oh, man, I can't believe them. No, I'm going to look at them and say, boy, we need God to help us, don't we? And, and so that's why we had the people go through that uh, campaign. But we all know, most of you know this, you're, you're familiar with the AA uh, concepts. The very first concept is admitting, is acknowledging I have a problem. You're not going to go anywhere if you're not acknowledging your problem. That's why we told the people, you know what? Until you acknowledge that you have a sinful nature, you're never going to address that issue. So if we're not acknowledging our emotions, if we're not acknowledging our feelings, and chances are they're going to do what they want to do, and they're going to get us in trouble. We're going to, we're going to find ourselves in a feud. Now, the second area that I, I want to talk about is managing our emotions. That's the second part of BP. So first part, step one, acknowledge. Start acknowledging it. Start saying to yourself, I'm mad right now. Start saying, oh, man, I'm sad right now. I'm frustrated right now. I'm being tempted right now. Acknowledge that. Don't let those things go unchecked. When you allow fear to go unchecked, guess what happens? You start thinking of the worst-case scenario. I've been there before. You know, the, you know, the, the silly example is, is flying a plane. Uh, you know, I don't like that. And I do fine during the day because I can look out the window and I see that, you know, Everything looks calm. So when I, when, I, when I feel the turbulence, I look outside, okay, it's just wind. But when it's nighttime and I feel the turbulence, I'm like, I have no way to process this information but to be afraid. And uh, I love going traveling with Alexander, though, because he's always laughing when, when the turbulence comes around. <laughs> I'm getting anxious. And you start thinking, oh, we're going to fall out of the sky. We're going to be the first airplane in the year that's going to have a crash. Because you allow that fear to go unchecked. You know, like I said, you know, when I look out the window, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm afraid because of that turbulence, but I'm going to look out the window. It's fine. I'm not going to let that feeling go unchecked. So the second part is about managing our emotions. And that's what, that is what's so important in our lives, that we just not only obviously just acknowledge our emotions, but then we set out to manage them. And we need to acknowledge our emotions and our feelings in light of the Bible. So when we say, boy, I'm mad right now, I'm not feeling good right now, then we should say, okay, God, what, what should I do with this emotion? What should I do with this feeling? What, what am I going to do, God? Help me to process this. Is this a good feeling right now? Is this a good emotion? 
Is this something that's going to help me to help others? Is this going to keep a feud from happening? Is this going to keep uh, my family stronger? Is this going to bless my coworkers? Is this going to make a better atmosphere? What is this emotion going to do? I've got to manage this emotion. God, I feel so offended by that. What am I going to do about that? You begin to process. I got to manage that. Okay, Jesus said I'm supposed to forgive 490 times. I can do this. I mean, he's exaggerating, right? He's exaggerating the number. I love Proverbs 15:1. Proverbs 15:1 is a is an EQ verse for me. Proverbs 15:1 says, "A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up." That's me. I, I, that's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of people I want to be around. I want to be around Proverbs 15.1 people. People who, you know, they, they get emotions. You know, we're all humans, so we get emotions. But then they're like, okay, emotions are coming up. God, help me right now. Because I have a lot of things to say. Help me right now to be gentle. We need to be gentle. Now you can see why companies... Are, are recognizing that people with high EQs are so valuable to a company. Who wants to work with people who have the, the ability to not manage their emotions? And you've been with those people. Who wants to work for a boss who just lets you have it every time they're upset and every time they're frustrated and every time you're not meeting quota, you know, you, they're just going off the handle. Who wants to work for those people? But who wants to work for somebody who says, you know what, I'm I'm upset right now, but I'm going to manage that emotion. I'm going to calm myself down. And maybe there's a reason why you didn't meet quota. Maybe there's a reason why, you know, you didn't fulfill what I asked you to do. And I'm, because when we just let our emotions go, we, when we do the opposite of Proverbs 15.1, what are we doing? Stirring up anger. And guess what happens when you stir up anger? Nothing gets solved. Nothing. The problem isn't solved. The, the solution is there. But we're too busy stirring up anger. I want to be a Proverbs 15.1 pastor for sure. Because God help us. I, I know Tara and I, uh, a few weeks ago, were meeting with another believer. And uh, they shared with us how another believer made a comment and it caused division in a group. And in my mind, as I process that information, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, if everybody in that group would, number one, acknowledge their emotions and then seek out to manage those emotions, the feud would go away. Because when you look at most of our problems in life, if, if we look at most of our issues in life, these things, you can solve them. There's, there's no reason why we should be fighting. Now here, this is what I've, I understand about life. And again, this is the reality. I understand we're all not going to see everything the same way. I don't have any immature or, you know, these, these fantasy ideas that every, all of us can skip through the punch. I get it. Uh, you know, some of the things I think about, obviously, are churches and that there are different churches out there. Uh, this past week, I was in two meetings, and I'm, I, and I'm meeting with other ministers. And you know what? They see church different than I do. I acknowledge that. But in no way am I out there, now, as long as we're not talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I am not a type of person that's looking at them thinking, how can I fix that? I'm not thinking about, 
how can I make them like me? I'm not thinking, how can I make that church be like our church? I'm not thinking in those terms. What I'm thinking, because I'm acknowledging that we think different, I'm thinking, what can we do together? How can we work together? How can we solve issues together? How can we love each other together? What can I do to help you? And I hope you're thinking, what you can do to help me? So I don't, I don't think that all of us are always going to see eye to eye, but I, I, I want us to say, what can we do together? How can we love each other and serve each other? James 1, 19, uh, for, uh, chapter 1, verse 19 is another e- key verse. I love this, this verse. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That's EQ. EQ is right there. How in the world, and Lord is still working in my life, so I'm with you. How do you accomplish that? How can you become quick to listen? Well, number one, the Word of God, every day in your life. Prayer, every day in your life. And then have accountability every day in your life. Have those things in your life. And I believe God will begin to develop this ability that you are quick to listen. I know I am not quick to listen. So I have to work at that because I'm a leader. And so I want to figure things out. I want to, I want to, before you say something, I want to tell you what you need to do. And I'm like, no, 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 just listen. Calm down. Take it easy. And you don't have all, I don't have all the answers. I'm not always right. I have it in our, if you walk into our copy, copier, I have it on there. Uh, it's on a chalkboard that says, you are not always right. I am not always right. And those moments when I'm not right, I will miss being corrected if I'm talking. So I've got to learn to listen. Quit talking. Just listen. So I love James 1.19 because it helps us to understand the importance of listening. Because when I listen... I can process my emotions, and when I'm processing my emotions, I can give them to God, and when I'm giving them to God, He takes them and says, hey, this is what I want you to learn. This is what I want you to do. And then I bring peace to a situation. I bring hope to a situation. I bring life to a situation. Those things are what God wants us to do in our life. Uh, there's so much more, and we're going to talk more about this, but what I, the other thing I'm going to be doing throughout this month of February is I'm going to be giving a, a practical application. It's going to be the same application, and I'm going to talk about it every week because, there's, because in my estimation, there's a lot to talk about this area. So I'm going to give you a practical application. It's called Home Groups. Now, I shared with you, you know, I was just mentioning here, how in the world do you develop the ability to listen before you speak? How do you develop that? I said, read your Bible. I said, pray. I said, have accountability. I believe a church, and we've been in a pandemic, so yes, I have been slow. I've been the youth pastor. I've been slow about this process. I could have done some different things. Yeah, do I wish I could even go back? Sure, I wish I could go back, but I'm not. So we're going to move forward. Moving forward, I believe it's time to re-engage in a process that this church has used, and I believe it. I believe in home groups. I believe it's a great place to learn from each other. And I want to re-engage in this process. So for this next month, Every time I, I'm going to be in an application about home groups because I really want to encourage you to join in on this process. There is a card next to you, hopefully, 
And if not, you have my permission to move up to the front seat or an open seat because there's some there. Uh, I want everybody to have a card. I know some of you are in home groups, and uh, that's wonderful. But I want all of us to participate in home groups. Now, the first thing I need to say about this, we're going to be, it's a lot to say, we're going to be starting these in March. My plan is to start them in March, so we need to give ourselves time. One of the things we need to do and what we need to work on is people willing to open up their home. All right, so now you can take my message and make application. How did you feel when I said that? What emotion stirred when I said, I need people to open up your home? You know, was it the feeling of no way? I'm not doing that. Was it the, the emotion of, you know, well, I've been in groups before, never worked, I'm not going back? Manage that emotion. Manage that idea. We need people, because I want to have a meeting with our home group leaders on February 21st. I want to make sure we're all on the same page and we're, we're moving in a good direction. So if you're at all interested in opening up your home, or maybe you're interested in opening up your home, but you're not interested in leading a Bible discussion, because that's how I view home groups. I, I view home groups as Bible discussions, because I don't think you need to be a, uh, you know, have a Bible degree to have a home group. I don't believe that. So, you know, you just need to be willing to read a question to people or facilitate discussion. It does take a little, you know, insight into people because, you know, you've got to be able to manage people. And so that's a part of it. But maybe you're not willing to manage people, but you're willing to open up your home. Mark that down, and I will find you one of our leaders, myself, or somebody will come to your home and we'll lead the discussion. So we're going to start these in March, and I believe they're, they're very important about. I also believe one of the other things that come to mind is uh, I believe in a seasonal approach to this. Doesn't mean every home group has to follow that. Again, I don't have all the answers and I don't push my ideas on everybody. So, but I, I do for the general population of our church, I believe in a seasonal approach. What does that mean? That means I'm going to pretty much, I'm going to have a plan every year to do these two sessions. And uh, a, kind of a winter-spring session and then like a fall session. So we'll start them in March, and then we'll officially uh, close them out right before summer, probably May, early May sometime. I'll have this all figured out by February 21st when I've got my leaders in home groups. And then we'll take a summer break because summer, my wife was, you know, she was right, and, but she kept saying, we need to have a picnic, we need to have a picnic. And, you know, we just, I, anyway, so I won't go there. I'm, I'm out of time anyway. But I wanted to just have fun church activities. I love small groups, but I love big groups. And I love, you know, we're a church. We can go to a park and have fun. So summertime, we have fun outside together, and then we come back to the fall, and we will pick up home groups again. Again, some groups, we have a group that has continued to meet. That's great. Your group wants to keep meeting. I'm not going to stop you from meeting. All right, I'm going to be giving you some more information about home groups. Oh, one more important thing. This is the last one. I understand, and obviously online, I understand that not everybody's still comfortable coming into a group setting. Although, if you're at a restaurant, if I ever see you at a restaurant, <laughs> I'm going to wonder, wait a minute, you're at a restaurant, but you can't come in here. I don't know. Uh, was that gentle? That was gentle. That was gentle. But I understand people, you know, may not prefer going to a home. I get it. Smaller setting. I totally understand so I'm going to, there's a place online, and I think Melanie's already put it online. Uh, you can go and you can sign up, and even in your card, uh, I'm assuming most people here don't know me in person, but you can do Zoom. Okay, I'm going to try to facilitate that. 
I'm hoping that everybody can agree on a one day. I can't do like seven days of June, but maybe at, at least one, maybe two. We'll see. But if you're not comfortable meeting in somebody's home, I will. I will Zoom with you. All right. Let me give you two more scripture verses, and then we're going to pray. And Psalm 51, verse one, says this: Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. That's a deep piece. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need to pray. I acknowledge that if I let my emotions and my feelings rule me, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to hurt this church. And I'm not interested in any of that. So I come to Jesus every day and I say, God, would you help me? I'm a sinner. And, and I'm going to make a, a fool of myself if I try to do this on my own. I pray that that's your heart too today. The band can come back up. Let me give you one more scripture verse. I love this from Psalm 34, verse 17 through 19. It says this, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I'm so grateful today that that uh, Jesus wants to be close to me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that I am not perfect. I acknowledge that I'm not going to always say the right thing at the right time. Yet Jesus wants to be close to me. I want to be close to the Lord. I want to remain close to Him. And this morning, let me just share with you, maybe your emotions have gotten the best of you. Maybe your feelings have been controlling you. Maybe you are living in fear. Maybe you are living in doubt. Maybe you are so angry at somebody you could punch them. Maybe there's something inside of you that you just let run wild. And I want to tell you today, Jesus wants to be with you. Jesus wants to be with you. He doesn't want you to run away. He doesn't want you to go away from him. Oh, you're an angry person. Get away. Your coworkers might push you away, but Jesus says, I'm close to you. I want to be close to the brokenhearted. I'm glad God wants to be close to me. Because I know down deep inside, I'm a selfish person. And I need to work on that. I acknowledge that. That is before me. I, I have no, uh, I, I have no uh, ideas of saying, oh, I'm over it. It's inside of me. And yet I know Jesus wants to be close to me. Jesus wants to be close to you. You stand, look at your ears. Stand. Uh, if you want to stand, because you've been sitting in your home, you can do that too. The team's going to lead us in a song of worship. But just let Jesus be close to you. Let Christ manage your emotions. Let Him acknowledge your emotions. Maybe you've never acknowledged your emotions before. Maybe you've never taken the time to say, you know what? Wow, I'm feeling this. Wow, this is what I'm thinking right now. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge what you're thinking. Acknowledge what you think about somebody else. Acknowledge what you're doing. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you, your word says you want to be close to us. And God, I am broken hearted that I have the ability to hurt people. A 
I'm brokenhearted that I carry a nature that would think of itself first, that breaks my heart. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you will just be nearer to us. Help us to manage our emotions. Help us to manage, Lord, those things that go inside our mind that aren't helpful to other people. Help us, Jesus, work in our life.